So look back at what you were criticized for, refine it, and then amplify it. So for me, I, like I said, I was criticized a lot for questioning authority. And assuming you're my age, we grew up being told that children should be seen and not heard. And, you know, and even as a woman, if we speak, we are told that we are aggressive. But, you know, if a man says something, they're a leader. And all of that kind of led me to like just refine that skill, all the things that I, I was naturally like in trouble for. And just use it as my to my advantage as a journalist. So that involved just the ability to to recognize the details. And if something doesn't make sense, just ask the question because we all need to understand. And as a child, people saw my question as a challenge. And really, I was just questioning to better understand. And isn't that journalism? Like you're sharing a story. But if people don't understand the story, then what's the point? Welcome to the Online Creator Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Tradewell, founder of May & James Co., a creative digital company. Building a brand is about human connection. I am here to help you articulate your story through strategy, development, and execution. I believe that anything is possible at any age and at any stage of business. The only limits we have are the ones that we place on ourselves. I want you to feel like you are supported, not alone, and that you are able to take action quickly. On this podcast, expect to hear interviews from a wide range of guest speakers, bite-sized solo episodes from myself, bingeable episodes that will give you insights, different perspectives, and actionable strategies to help you reach your goals personally and professionally. Now let's get into the show. You're listening to the Online Creator Podcast, episode 26, and today... I get to speak with Terry Hudgens, who is an award-winning journalist who's excelled in following her calling of telling the stories that need to be told and evoking emotions aligned with clear takeaways through her stories. In the last 10 years, she's had the opportunity to contribute meaningful reported stories and personal essays to publications including Real Simple, New York Times, Parents, Washington Post, Good Housekeeping, Better Home and Garden, essence, and so many more. While she writes thoroughly reported stories about travel and personal finance, her primary focus is reported features with a mission to better understand and expose relationships, health advocacy, the emotional well-being of parents, and the respective intersections with race and culture. Through it all, she continues to follow her hack for living life with no regrets. Do what you love, give love, and lead with love in hopes you'll learn to do the same. Access top tips from Terry herself, an independent journalist, on creating the perfect pitch and so much more today. Join me in welcoming Terry to the show. Good morning, Terry. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. You know, our paths crossed during a networking event, and I'm so glad they did. And I'm so glad you're here today with me. Yes, I am so happy that we met there. It could be very lonely working from home by yourself and Yes. It was just nice to connect with another like-minded individual. And good morning to you. It's actually afternoon where I am in okay. uh, the East Coast of the United States in New Jersey. There um, you go. And I'm in the middle of the prairies in Canada. So what's, what's the weather like there for you right now? Cold. 
Okay, really so cold. you're good too. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's rather cold. Although earlier we were having, it, it's actually been an unseasonably warm winter in that we haven't even had any measurable snow in a year. Wow. Um, yeah, it's actually like a record since like 1980 or something like Seriously. that. Seriously. Seriously. And like a week ago or so, like maybe two weeks, we had like 60 degree weather in New Jersey in the middle of winter. So that is I mean, crazy. Right? Although we did too. We we had like about a week of it looked like spring. And then we went from like plus three to like minus 20 in a day. So after our conversation today, I'm going to have to send you a picture. I'll send yes. you a picture on Instagram of how much snow we have. We have like probably record snowfalls this winter, last winter too. It's really, yeah. I'm really questioning my adult decisions of where I'm living. <laughs> what is this? What is happening? But let's dig into the first question because the first question I ask all my guests is, how have you leveraged your voice to better your business or personally, you know, and maybe it's been a bit of a journey, but I love hearing how you've leveraged your voice. So I absolutely love this question because I don't really get that question a lot. My business, I'm in the business of storytelling. We'll say that. Yes. So it's not normally my story to tell. I am a journalist, but I would say I feel like I actually ended up as a journalist because I, I felt like my voice wasn't always heard. So I, I like to say that as a child, I grew up feeling misunderstood. So I made a career revolving around making sure others are understood. Uh, and that's how that started. I, plus, as a kid, I got in trouble a lot for questioning authority. And I'm like, well, look what you there. Look there, mom. I decided to turn that into a career because what do I do? I question authority. So yes, yes. that's how I started. Oh, I love how you answered that. Thank you. Yes. I'm, nobody's ever asked me that before. So I'm so like in those terms, I'm really mm -hmm. excited to share that. Yeah. So so how does it look different from when you were growing up? Because you just gave us a little glimpse to how you have used your voice in your career. I love that you uh, mentioned storytelling. And that's why I'm so passionate about audio as well, because there's so many ways you can use audio to leverage it to to create your story and share who you are um, to kind of bring people into your world. So as a journalist, what does that look like? Has it been an easy journey, like interviewing people and, and bringing out their stories? Like what? Give us a little inside look of what that's been like. So, you know, I'll be honest, the media, it's it's a very tough industry. Mm -hmm. And I do consider myself one of the fortunate ones to still be here and working and, and thriving. But I think what changed, at least for me, is actually leaning into, like I said, what I got in trouble for. A little backstory. What I, I think we're in a period in which a lot of people are questioning what their purpose is and what makes them happy, what, just why they need to exist and what their existence is based on and just, just what they want to be doing. And, and looking at my experiences, I've lately been telling people, I'm like, well, what did people take you on as a kid? What were you criticized for? Because sometimes what you're criticized for is what stands out the most in you. And yes. that's what's most natural. So look back at what you were criticized for, refine it, and then amplify it. So okay. for me, I, like I said, I was criticized a lot for questioning authority. And assuming you're my age, we 
grew up being told that children should be seen and not heard. And, you know, and even as a woman, if we speak, we are told that we are aggressive. But, you know, if a man says something, they're a leader. And all of that kind of led me to like just refine that skill, all the things that I, I was naturally like in trouble for. And just use it as my to my advantage as a journalist. So that involved just the ability to to recognize the details. And if something doesn't make sense, just ask the question because we all need to understand. And as a child, people saw my question as a challenge. And really, I was just questioning to better understand. And isn't that journalism? Like you're sharing a story, but if people don't understand the story, then what's the point? So if I'm interviewing somebody and I'm talking to them and I don't understand, I will interject. I'm like, you know what? What did you mean by that? Or I didn't follow. Can you repeat that? Just not being afraid to ask questions is just so necessary. Uh, so good. You know, I've had... I've had some amazing women on this podcast and had some amazing conversations. And that first question about how they have leveraged their voice and what it looked like as, you know, like going through their kind of journey of life and when they were young and as an adult. And I've heard that over again on repeat that either they're either told to be quiet or they're just like told to their voice is either too loud or too quiet is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's so frustrating. It's so crazy because so maybe, you know, you're loud naturally and then you're told to button down or you're so quiet that you don't even know how to share your voice. Like, I feel like we're always on that struggle of, and always on a journey of being OK and showing up who we are and, and, and how we are. Our personality really does impact how we show up in this world, but it's OK to show up as you. And so I love that you mentioned that as well, because I think that's it's so relatable. And then the other question or thing that you mentioned about not being afraid to ask questions. And I think that kind of comes with your territory with learning the skill, mm -hmm. because I think there's a skill in in interviewing and bringing those thoughtful questions out without leading in a certain direction. Has that been like something that you've really worked on? Because I imagine some people are either really easy to interview or just super difficult. Like, how, what yes. does that experience. You know, another amazing question. So like you said, there are some people that are very easy to interview and there's people that are not and they don't speak. And there is when you interview somebody and I mean, you know, too, as a podcaster. So you, you know that you need to be able to one, keep people on task, like stay in their lane. I don't want to say stay in their lane, but just stay on topic. But you also want to give them freedom and see where it goes, but then also making sure that it's understood. When you do journalism and you're interviewing somebody, you want to make sure that you're also not putting words in their mouth because journalism is, is about understanding their story, but it's also factual. So I don't want to project what I'm saying onto you. Like, I don't want it. Like, if you told me that you fell off a bike, I would not say, oh, well, that must have been a really traumatic experience. I would, you know, because that may not have been what you were going to say. That may not. And, and that could alter your response. Instead, I'll be like, oh, and how, how did you respond to that? Or how did that make you feel? That way, that gives you the freedom to share exactly what you meant. And I can accurately tell your story. So there's that. And then I would also, like my favorite question when I interview anybody, and 
you may even want to use this as a podcaster. I always like to ask, what is something that people misunderstand about your industry? Or, you know, or what is one of the preconceived notions about you? What what do people get wrong about your job? And that normally, that's really where the gold is. Like mm. that, that's where people like open up because maybe like you're a doctor and people, you know, and you're talking about something completely different, like, I don't know, diagnosing or whatever. And then you say to a doctor, what do people misunderstand about your profession? And like, oh, that I actually get, have all the freedom, but really I have to follow this what the insurance companies say or, or something like that. And that is normally where the gold is. Sometimes you can get your entire podcast for me, my entire story, just from that last question and just giving them yes. the freedom to speak. Cause that's also just where their emotion, where their passion is. Cause I'm sure you normally have to dispel a lot of things about being a podcaster. What does that mean? Oh, that must be easy. Yes. Oh, you don't, you have to edit, you know, whatever, yeah. but there's a lot of passion behind it. So that's something that I've, I've learned you're interviewing as a journalist. Yes, there's an art to asking questions. That really? is 100% sure, for sure. And and also not just any kind of question like you mentioned, you know, getting a little bit beyond just the surface level to really find out. And you can hear that. Like you can hear when you just said passion. You can hear when somebody gets excited about, like I start talking yeah. a little quick. A little quicker than I should, right? And you can hear, you know, like your voice goes up an octave a little bit. Like you get excited. And so to lean into that excitement with whoever you're interviewing is exactly where the sweet spot is. So even though I prepare, and I'm sure you do too, as a journalist, mm -hmm. you probably prepare an outline or a skeleton of questions. I do the mm -hmm. same. But I always tell my guests, like, these are just, this is a structure, it's an outline, but we might lean into a different area depending on where the conversational flow goes, right? And and as long as you kind of keep on task and you're getting what you want out of the interview, I think that's that's an art and it's something that comes with practice. Uh, that's what I say about podcasting. I'm sure you say that about with a new journalist when you're working with them. You know, it's just something that you got to keep exercising to get better at. Exactly. And you said something there. I think one of the reasons that led me to be a journalist, you know, if we yeah. go back, I was talking about how I was misunderstood and yeah. I was told not to question. And one thing my parents, and I think everybody says this still to this day, is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. And sometimes there's truth to that. However, you just said something there that shows that that may not always be it, though, because, for example, Somebody could get really excited. They could start talking or actually I'm not going to say they get excited. They could start talking really, really fast. And mm -hmm. we may interpret their tone as excited, but mm -hmm. really they may be nervous. And when they're yeah, nervous, true. they start talking quickly. So I actually started telling people like, act like I'm tone deaf. Like, don't make any inferences about my tone. And if you don't understand, then just say, what do you mean by that? And I think if we did that yes. a lot more through our lives, that, that would clear up so many altercations, so much confusion. And it's one of the reasons why if you actually read a journalist story, like if you go on like Washington Post, Cosmopolitan, and read a story and they actually have a quote, they always say, you know, they attribute it to said whatever the person's expert's name is. They're never going to say yelled expert. Right. Because that is a matter of opinion. Like, Absolutely. you can say that I yelled, but for me, I'm like, no, that's just the way I talk. So mm -hmm. 
from journal, like from journalism, it just naturally, I learned that no, it's not always about tone. It's about actually what you said and the intent behind it. So I've learned we have to ask those questions to learn the intent. Because when you, if we go back to that, you know, it is, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. That's how we also open up the door for people being the tone police. That's how we get back to people saying that women are aggressive and not leaders or how black women get labeled as the angry black women at work. That's because mm-hmm. we enabled a society of being the tone police. And for me, that, that just didn't work. Like, you know, people misconstrued my asking questions as trying to be disrespectful or challenged. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to understand. Absolutely. Um, Plus, we also have to recognize that when it comes to tone and what people say, tone of voice is a social construct that varies based on where you come from. I mean, you said you're from Canada and there's a whole bunch of, you know, different social co- constructs that I may not understand as somebody in New Jersey. And, and the same goes for, you know, different areas, state, whatever country. Yeah. Tone and the way you... you display something that's social construct and we have to take that in consideration it's not always tone of course keep in mind your audience but you know to a certain point we have to ask those questions such a good point i love that let's lean into what your perspective is on the differences between pr and journalism because i feel like a lot of people are talking PR now and talking about the value and the importance of that. But how do you see it as from a journalism perspective? How do you see the difference there? All right. Absolutely love this question because I do think people get it confused a lot. So we'll put it like this. Uh, Public relations professional, they are in the business of storytelling and persuasion. And their client is or they work for their clients, whoever hired them to tell that story. A journalist is in the profession of storytelling and informing. And who I work for is the public. So when you think of that, that right there tells you that the PR person is more about the storytelling and the image. A journalist is more about the story and the facts. Got it. And that is why, you know, there's a lot of times I I get this a lot from people who have never been interviewed by journalists. You know, they always ask to see a copy of what I wrote beforehand. And I understand. I I get Mm -hmm. why. because They want to make sure they're not misquoted. You know, they want to make sure that they sound good. But generally speaking, that's not allowed because they are not who I'm working for. I work for the public and I owe the public you know, an unbiased story that you did not manipulate. Because once you send it to somebody and, you know, it may be fine, but once you send them that story, they could be like, oh, well, why did you quote that person before me? I've been working as a doctor for this much longer than this person, so my quote should come first. Or, well, what I said is this, and you had tied it to this. Like, it varies as long as it's factual there should not be an issue. And that is also why I record all of my interviews. That way I make sure that I don't make a mistake because, you know, things happen. So I record all of them and transcribe them. But that's the difference. Meanwhile, and, you know, I'll go back. Because you're asking the journalist for a copy of the road so you could control your image. You can't control your image. The PR person controls your image. So there's a difference. Uh, So that is, that's definitely, 
I think that's the best way to say it. Yeah, no, I love that. And it totally makes sense. As an online entrepreneur who is looking at increasing visibility, how do you help talk a little bit about what you do to help others with your journalism background? What does that look like? Because we all are trying to to become more visible in a way, you know, with our written word. What does that look like? All right. So I'll preface. Not only am I a journalist, I'm an independent journalist. And I have been an independent journalist or freelance journalist for the last 12 something years. So I have a lot of experience pitching large publications so I can write their, you know, stories that need to be told, inform the public about things that they don't know about, et cetera. I also receive a lot of pitches from PR people, or, and not even just PR people, but just business people, experts, et cetera, who wants visibility, as you said. So I'm on it on both sides. Using that knowledge, I actually assist people in creating pitches that can help them get media attention. And I use it with the knowledge of somebody who actually works in the industry. Because let me preface by saying I absolutely love PR people. They are a necessity to a journalist's job, and they definitely do make the job easier. However, there are a lot of public relations professionals that have never worked in the news and have never worked as, you know, a journalist. They've never sat in an editorial meeting. They've never seen what actually goes into picking sources and what quote gets used and what stats get used. So I assist people creating a pitch using that knowledge, you know, having done it myself. And again, pitching editors as somebody who writes. So that's how I help people. Oh my gosh, such value that you bring because I feel like it is overused in the online space, like being a PR or if you want PR help. And I'm just like, do your research (laughs) before you hire someone to help you with a specific task. Make sure that they have that background and knowledge because they've been in it and they are working in it just like you are. So I think what you are offering is so valuable to so many people because it's important to get a word out there, but get it to the right people. Well, first of all, to develop a pitch deck that even makes sense to who you are. And then to even develop, so you've got that developed. There's so many stages to it. It's just like even pitching to new podcast hosts to do cross promotion because I help clients do that. And there's a whole, like, that's a whole nother job just in itself because you have to be like really thoughtful with your research because you want to align yourself with people that have the same values. So Oh my gosh, we need to talk. (laughs) And one thing that I've learned, like, you know, it's like you said, you need to know who you're pitching Mm -hmm. and pitching is used in every industry. Like whether you're pitching a venture capitalist because you need money for your business, you're pitching a podcast host, you're pitching a brand because you you're an influencer and you want to get more sponsored content. We all know pitching is inevitable. Hell, you even pitch yourself when you are looking for a job. 
That's yep. all pitching. But, you know, each industry, there's different dynamics and key elements that are necessary and will make you worth choosing or make your knowledge clear, your expertise clear. And that is one thing I've learned that a lot of people miss when pitching journalists. For example, I get a lot of pitches from influencers or and sometimes podcasters. Mm -hmm. And normally their pitch, you know, is like, you know, I run this podcast or I'm an influencer and I talk about home organization and I have able to amass 100,000 followers in, you know, three months. I'd love to be featured as a source in one of your stories, which is fabulous. First of all, big ups to all the influencers because that is, it's a real job. It is a lot of work. I, ha I want nothing to do with it. But <laughs> that being said, that pitch in particular is not going to get you media mentions. Why? Okay. Because it does not tell me what you can talk about and it does not paint to you as somebody who's credible. Like, no doubt, it is definitely a huge feat to say that I have 100,000 followers in, you know, over three months or under three months of okay. being an influencer. However, that does not make you credible as somebody I can talk to about a home organization expert. Right. So when you're pitching a journalist, you want to focus on what makes you credible. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, a college degree or something like that. But if that same influencer had pitched me and said that, you know, I'm a home organization influencer and I've amassed 100,000 followers and a recent study just came out talking about how influencers are having difficulty amassing, getting engagement. I would love to speak to you about how you can grow follower count because that positions you as an expert because you've done, you've done that. And right. I know you can talk about it. But the way that they presented it, that doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't make it newsworthy. It doesn't tell me the story. And it didn't tell me why you are the one to tell that story. Right. And I think that's such a good example because we hear that all, often. You know, when someone says, tell us something special about yourself. And then that's a whole mindset thing. Well, what are you talking about? Like, I, there's nothing special about me. But what everybody has something unique that yes. they bring to the table. So how can you speak on what you're speaking about in a unique, valuable way? Because here's the thing, like, everybody can have a podcast. Everybody can have a blog. Yes. But what yes. What's your tone of voice? What value are you bringing your listeners, your readers, because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's it's about the value that you're bringing. Exactly. That is it, like spot on. Because it, it really, you have to be able to say what you can talk about. And yeah. again, no discredit to influencers at all because they are amazing. Right. And hell, I'm on, I'm on social media. I follow them. Right. <laughs> so We all do. You know, you having a whole lot of followers doesn't tell me what you can talk about. Yes. I'm like, okay, cool. You, you're a home organization expert, but what can you talk about? That doesn't mean you can talk. And what makes you an expert? Yes. Have you cleaned, you know, over a thousand hotel rooms during your time yes. as a, a maid or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be this arbitrary credential, but. Absolutely. So yeah, we I love that. I love that. Okay. So that's, you gave us some like really tangible tips about how to kind of create a pitch deck that makes sense and is relevant to who you're pitching to. Do you have any tips on like, where do you even start? Like, how do you research someone that makes sense to even pitch to? Because that, 
that can be like overwhelming in its own. Yes. It, there, there are so many places that you can find. Right. There is a couple. So one, I mentioned this during our networking thing. Yeah, it was so good. Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Hear me out. I know people are like fleeing Twitter and a, actually a lot of people haven't used Twitter, but Twitter is a journalist goldmine. That is where the media hangs out, especially journalists. Why? Because you don't need video. Like we're right. writers. Yes. You know, all the other social media contests, you need video, you need a talk, you need to take pictures. We're writers. That's right. So find us on Twitter. Find us on LinkedIn. Admittedly, a lot of journals have left Twitter since Elon took over, but right. still there. So that being said, one, two things to search. You can search looking for sources or source request with a hashtag on Twitter because that is used all the time. I use it myself or journo request, journo as J-O-U-R-N-O request. That is used a lot. You can also, my favorite tip, because we'll go back. So pitching, you never want to sell, send a cold pitch if you don't have to, ever. Right. You want to send a warm pitch. So how do you send a warm pitch? You send them something, you know, earlier on that has absolutely nothing to do with getting something from them. So right. one way to do this, you go back to Twitter. And for some reason, it's a thing on Twitter for editors to go on there and be like, some personal news. I just got hired to be the lifestyle editor at, you know, Cosmopolitan. Or right. I am, or personal news, I am the newest features editor for the Washington Post. I don't know why that's a thing, but it's a thing. So you could search personal news <laughs> on Twitter. And there you can find a bunch of editors who announce where they are now working. So from there, a lot of times, they also have their email address in those pitches or in those tweets or in their bio because journalists use Twitter as like a resume. So it's all there. So from there, you know that one, they are new to the job. And two, that means that their email is probably empty. So that oh, is where you slide in. And you'd be like, hey, congratulations. I just saw that you have a new job working at this place writing about X, Y, and Z. I just wanted to wish you the best of luck and hope to hear from you soon. I am, you know, this expert and I write about this. No pitch, nothing there, nothing. Right. But just get in there, you know, start a dialogue if you want to. Or maybe you followed that editor and they were once working at, I don't know, Real Simple magazine and now they're right. working at, uh, Marie Claire, and right. you followed that person, or you did your homework and you saw something that they wrote. That's when you still jump in at their new email address and like, hey, congrats. I remember when you wrote this story at Glamour and I absolutely loved it. So I know you'll do a great job at this new role. I look forward to hearing from you. We maybe you could talk. I am an expert in podcasting or whatever. Yeah. Luck, hope to hear from you soon. And that's that. And then after that, you can send your pitch. And then it's a warm pitch because right. hopefully, yes, engage from a conversation from that. At the very least, they've recognized your name and your email address because at that point, again, their email inbox was empty. Right. That's such a brilliant tip. So oh, my gosh. One way to break in. One of many ways. And it really is not that difficult to get mentioned in the media at all. Like, I know people think it's like this elusive, like secret society. Mm -hmm. 
It really isn't. It's out there. It's just you're not hanging out where the media hangs out. Once you find out where they are, it's golden. And I always encourage people to pitch, whether you want to be a freelance journalist and write stories like myself, or you are an expert or want to be seen as an expert and you want to be mentioned, always pitch them because you are doing them a favor. Right. And the reason why you're doing it a favor is because it is mentally exhausting to be creative all the time. Like, oh I absolutely gosh. love being a journalist. I do. I do love writing. I have been writing since I was a little girl and I've never stopped. That being said, it is very draining to always have to come up with a new idea and a new take on something and a new spin. At some mm -hmm. point, you kind of get to that where you're like, I just can't think anymore. Like, there's, there's, I have nothing left to give. And yeah. that is where your pitch comes in. You are making their job easier by telling them, this is the story. This is my take on it. This is why it matters now. And this is why I can talk about it Gosh, or why I should write about it. You are making their job easier. So please pitch the journalist. P please. Such, such Just make them, giving them something relevant. Like I say this all the time as my example, but I don't think I have ever written about pets or animal care or anything. But for some reason, I always get pitches from people who are dog experts or, you know, from kennels. And I'm like, I have never, ever once written about pet or any animal for that matter. So they're this, just not doing the research or what's going on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, you're doing them a favor. Such, such good tips. There's a few more questions. I'm dying to ask your opinion on. I, I'm going to ask one before we wrap up because I am aware of our time. What are your thoughts and feelings around all of these AI programs then that are, you know, plugging in? Because I, I would love to hear your take on them. You know, that is such a good question. That's a really good question. So my take, I honestly, I'm not concerned about it whatsoever, to be quite honest. Because I, I honestly feel like much like any other new machine that has come over, we're mm -hmm. going to find that they help, but it still does not replace the good job of a human. And Absolutely. that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, like, look at self-checkout. Like, I cannot stand self-checkout at stores whatsoever. Yep. And for some reason, I screw it up every single time. Every time. The, the little red light comes on or like they're like my I didn't swipe my card right. I'm like, look, cashiers, they are essential. They are good at their job. Like, I will rather go to the cashier. Self-checkout oh is not, it, it doesn't replace the job of Absolutely. the cashier. Literally. I'm about AI. Yeah. I have a good friend. <laughs> she came down to visit over the holidays. She was like, listen, I, I refuse to go through one of those. She's like. The last time somebody asked her to go in the lineup, she was like, do I work here? I don't want care. So I'm not going through those. Right? She just wants to still be, you know, she doesn't want those to take away human jobs. So she's very adamant and very, very clear. I 100% agree. I don't think any of these programs are going to take away people's, like the, the human touch to a story and that authentic. You know, when you read something that it comes mm -hmm. from somebody's heart, from somebody's like soul, right? When they're, when they're really passionate about something that, and I, you can't tell me an AI program skin and, you know, you know what? create that same feel and that same vibe. That's it. Exactly. And as I even think more of it, I, I feel like there is going to be a short period in which AI does take a lot of jobs. And then people are going to recognize like, oh my God, this sucks. 
let me go back. And I use that, as, I say this as yeah. somebody who, my account won't let me live this down because tax time is coming. And if you are in the United States, it costs a lot of money to have somebody do your taxes, especially mm-hmm. as a small business owner. And one year I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to get TurboTax mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this myself. Let me tell you, I wasted like, I can't even tell you how many hours. It was like a week trying to do this myself, trying to make sense of it before I gave up. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry. Called my accountant. I tried to do it myself and I can't. Take my money. Please do my taxes. <laughs> and I kind of feel like, hey, I'm going to be the same way. I, I really do. All of these things, people are going to recognize like, you know what? It's nice for temporary help, but sure. it doesn't place. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm concerned about with AI, and we can go back to why I don't like to use self-checkout. <laughs> because if you use self-checkout, one, like if you go to Walmart and you use self-checkout, there's somebody there checking your receipt. And the way I feel it is like, if you don't trust me to like right. cash out, then you shouldn't be standing there. With and then if somebody accuses you of stealing, there's really no recourse. Like it's their word against yours. Like you can innocently yeah. forget to, you know, scan something and they For can- sure say that you're stealing, be banned from the store, whatever. Because there's really no, like, accountability there. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. But yet, you're the one who takes the hit. I feel the same with AI. Because with AI, you then run into the issue of plagiarism. Right. Who is actually making sure that AI didn't really just rip it off from some other, you know, one of the crawlers on the internet and just pull right. all that stuff? Same thing. So people are going to go to AI as a quick fix, think it's going to be great, you know, for a little bit. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, crap. Like, no, I need to actually pay somebody to write. I need a journalist or, yeah. you know, whatever type of writer. Yes, I agree. And I mean, use it as a tool, but don't use it as as the whole. Yes. I, I like to show people using it and being helpful, like in creating an outline. Right. And then from there. I totally get that. And that makes sense. I personally have not used it. I don't really have. I don't plan on using it at all just because I, I'm just overwhelmed with technology. I don't have time to sit there and try to learn a whole new sure like software either. and you like, I, I just don't. So I don't think like right. <laughs> I totally hear you. I totally hear you. I feel like there's a place for everything and we do need to use systems to be able to save us some time and energy. A little bit has to go in before you can get there, but some of these things like oh my gosh like I don't even want to I can't it's like a rabbit hole and then I lose a whole day and then I'm like okay wait I can't get that how do people find you if they want to learn more about you know tapping into your knowledge and expertise around journalism I'm around I'm definitely on Twitter (laughs) yeah I'm totally finding you on there I gotta like revisit Twitter yes please my handle on Twitter is terrific words the same on Instagram and I do have a TikTok, and I don't remember what my name is on there because I think I post like three videos. But otherwise, you can find me on my website, terryhuggins.com. And I have a blog, terrificwords.com. Oh, and if anybody that. needs any help with getting started as a freelance writer, I'd love yeah. to help you if you want to use my VIP day and learn how to pitch the media. And I'll actually write your pitches for you and help you figure out how to find people to contact. You can also reach out to me about that but i'm around such good value that you bring and i i loved this conversation i hope others have learned something some taken some nuggets from it because there was some good value there before i let you go i love going through a couple of just speed round questions with my guests something just a little bit lighthearted and fun and, and hopefully we can have some fun with it so are you ready yes what parts of you are you most proud of that's not a light one is it we started with a deep one 
doesn't have to be deep. You mean like physical or mentally? Mentally. Couldn't be whatever you are proud of. I'm just really proud of my empathy. I'm really, really proud of my empathy. And, and I'm proud of my ability to find my voice again. You know, yes. going back to what you're saying, this isn't really fast, is it? I'm, too, I'm explaining too oh, much. It's good. It's good. But, um, you know, I mentioned that I was criticized a lot for yeah. speaking out of turn or whatever. And basically all the things that I was criticized for, you know, asking too many questions, being bold and talking to authority and all that. I realized that it translated into passion as a public speaker. And I've since been doing a lot more speaking engagements. And so just felt right. I'm like, this is where who I am mm-hmm. is celebrated. And it's not about telling anybody else's story. It's about telling my story. And if, like, it's celebrated there. So yes. I'm proud of my ability to find that again, recognize myself again. Yes, and allowing your voice to be heard. That's so powerful. That's so, so good. I love it. Are you an active reader or an active audio learner? Like, how do you like learn or be entertained? Are you more like, I'm just going to like binge something on TV tonight? Like, how do you like, like, I definitely binge things on TV. I love Shark Tank and I I love old TV, like old uh, comedies and not like really, really old, but like modern family old. Oh, yes. Those are so good. Yeah. Those are so good. That's what I do. But learning, I don't really learn much from video or audio. I prefer to read things. Yes. Um, yes. And do you yeah. have a favorite book that you go to uh, time and again or something that you're tapping into right now that you'd love to yes. share? Yes. If Where's the book? Because I'm like, can I, give me a second. Yes. I'm going to find it. All right. So it turns out I left the book in my car. <laughs> so awesome. Okay. Well, you have to share it with me later and I'll put it in the show notes for sure. I, I'm going to find the name of the book because I absolutely love this book. All right. I took it out from the library like three times. Oh, yeah. Well, it must be a good one. Yeah. It's called The Power of Less, The Fine Art of Limiting Yourself to the Essential in Business and in Life. Who's the author? Leo Bob... Leo Bob... I think he may be the one who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek. Oh. I think. But uh, yeah, so I'll repeat the power of less, mm-hmm. the fine art of limiting yourself to the essential in business and in life. Oh, yeah. It says it right up. No, no. He didn't write it. The, the author of the four-hour week reviewed it. Ah, oh. well, there you go. That's good. Okay, well, I'll totally check it out and put it in the show notes because I always, I just think it's really good because there's so much knowledge out there. It's kind of like asking somebody what their favorite genre of music is i mean i'm kind of like i'm all over the place too i've got like a rolodex going on for music i got a rolodex for podcasts it really just depends on what my mood is in that moment and what i need and i try to listen to that and tap into it a little bit more and i'm actually just gonna pick up a book for fun here soon because i'm just like dang i have not read just a book for fun in a while so i feel like i need it i feel like i need it Thank you so much for sharing all this great value and a little sneak peek about who Terry is and and this journey that you've been on. And I just it's it was so good. And I'm so glad, again, like I said, that our paths crossed. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Good. I think I failed the rapid answer. No. You know what? And it can be like this is the thing. The beauty of everything is that it can just be what it needs to be and that's how i am rolling love it love it yes but this is fun thank you so much for having me thanks so much for listening into the show it truly means so much to me 
You can check out the important links mentioned in today's episode in the show notes, and please join the conversation over on Instagram at me and James Co. I love hearing from you. There are so many great conversations coming up, so please make sure you are subscribed to Apple or Spotify or any of your favorite media players so that you don't miss out. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share and leave a review and a rating because it helps us so very much. Until next time.